0: Coming up, the latest episode of the KCSN Draft Show. Getting Chiefs Kingdom ready for the 2023 NFL Draft. Posted right here in Kansas City with the best analysis, interviews, and content you can find. To stay up to date and in the know. With
1: that said, let's begin the show. What's going on, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome back to Radio Row here at the 2023 NFL Scouting Combine. I'm BJ Kissel. This is the KCSN Draft Show. We have a special guest. You might... Recognize him from KCS and update throughout the regular season and Trevor Sickema from Pro Football Focus. Thanks for joining us. Talk a little draft, a little combine, a little bit of everything today.
2: Dude, hearing you intro the show, it's like I missed it. You know, like <laughs> yeah. we did this every week for like four months and just hearing you intro that, I was like, oh, I'm back.
1: Go to okay. DraftKings. I'll do the whole it's Go to DraftKings. <laughs> just go there and use code KCSN. All right, let's. I want to talk. So it's going to be a two part show and I want to talk defense with you. Okay. I want to talk prospects and because we spend so much time especially now you turn on the television watch the combine coverage it's crazy numbers that we're seeing through these workouts and what these guys are doing yes uh that i want to talk specifically about three positions i want to talk edge rusher defensive tackle and safety and i want to get two players that you would bang that that you'd pound the table for guys that you like that would be projected around Second, third ish round, like a day two pick. Sure. Because we spend so much time talking about the top guys and the guys yeah. that are going off on the Nolan Smiths and all those. Like we're gonna talk about those guys. But you guys that study this, you know so much about it. You get here and it's just kids in Candyland running around with all the draft coverage, uh, really getting is. a chance to talk to these guys. Fun to see everybody that's so passionate about this cover it. Uh, but let's start, Trevor, with Edge Rusher. Okay. Who are guys second-ish, third ish round, those day two guys that um that you really like that you would go to, you know. Your, you know, your general manager, and be like, we got to take this guy.
2: This guy. I- I I guess he's a projected second round pick because I'm really not hearing a lot of first round buzz about him but that also to me makes it feel like one of the most underrated players in this class and it's B.J. Ojolari, the edge rusher from LSU I really like this dude I mean I I feel like he understands his pass rush profile he's more of a speed rusher Mm -hmm. Uh, he already talked about a lot of the different moves that he has a lot of the ways that he uh, likes to attack the pocket he's consistently going over uh, how to attack the half man as coaches will say right Mm -hmm. attacking one side of the shoulder he gets the outside moves he's saying he's Working on the inside counters to have a well rounded speed attack when he is attacking the pocket. But this is a pretty productive edge rusher. I mean, he wore number 18 for LSU, which is a prestigious number. It's not like anybody can wear that right. number for LSU. And he won it because of the leadership qualities that he has for how much he improved, um, how much of a difference maker he was on that defense. And if the last name sounds familiar, he is Aziz Ojulari's younger brother. So he has that NFL pedigree there for him. He talked about it at the podium. Yeah. I'm always in competition with my brother, including <laughs> being the higher selected brother. So his brother went, uh, early second round. So maybe that will happen with Ojulari. but man, I just feel like, yeah, second round seems like where a lot of people have been projected, but I think that he could, uh, he could end up giving some first-round value if he ends up being a day-two pick.
1: Love to hear it. Now, I'm curious your thoughts on this because you look at the Chiefs' edge position. We'll see what happens throughout free agency as we get closer with Frank Clark. A um, lot of, it's crazy how over the last year, the the opinion on bringing him back, and now Chiefs fans like, we got to bring If the money's right and it doesn't get you know uh, crazy and Chiefs don't have a ton of cap space this offseason, we spent a lot of time talking about that with Orlando Brown Jr., what are you going to do there? Chris Jones, uh, what are they going to do there? But how important is it, within your edge rush group that you've got different skill sets we talk about it with wide receivers a lot you build like a basketball team yeah you know, you've sure. got your point guards you big guys you can create different mismatches do you feel like nfl teams need the same because again looking at the edge depending upon what happens with frank clark george carloftis isn't really a speed guy more of a power more of a little bit of everything not known as one thing mm-hmm. do you think it's important for teams if the chiefs are going to go get another edge rusher to have more of a speed type guy do you think it's important to have or is
2: it yeah, no, I I didn't mean to Yeah, have you, have you stop there, but I, I do think that it just kind of depends how the defensive coordinator wants to set things up, and I think that you see maybe these different styles of edge rushers throughout teams because, let's face it, If you are a complete player who wins with size, speed, and power, you're getting picked in round one, right? (laughs) But there are edge rushers that get picked that aren't round one guys. And I think when you get into rounds two, three, and then, you know, the mid rounds, maybe the early parts of day three, it's specialized guys. It's like, okay, it might not be the full, well-rounded profile that we want on all three downs, but this guy might be a really good speed rusher. So instead he's a specialized player in that regard. You might have another guy where it's like, all right, he's a little bit more heavy handed. He's a hand in the dirt kind of guy. He'll play five tech for you. He'll be able to defend the run. He could be a heavy package guy and early down guy for you. So I think that it's, it is important to have a mix of, of, of these different styles of pass rush, because you also never know exactly how your defensive line is going to evolve. Right. I think that every off season, Teams change a lot, and sometimes they change, and it's not according to plan, right? Like sometimes you could have a guy hit free agency and go, okay, we feel pretty comfortable about bringing this guy back. And he goes, no, I can make a lot more money on the open market. And you go, all right, you can go try, and then some team does end up signing him. So then you go, well, that was going to be a major part of our defense. And then you might look at the defense and go, you know, we were a little bit more – Heavier Last year But the way that I see things And the guys on the roster It might be a little bit More advantageous If we have a couple of more Stand-up speed rushers And things like that So I yeah. think it is important To be versatile Because no matter what You are thinking one year It could look different Than next And so yeah. that's kind of How it goes into that Of course the better Well-rounded guys Are going to, pick in the, going to get picked In the first round But then those specialized players You know getting more Of a power guy Getting more of a speed guy You'll have that opportunity Throughout the draft
1: I had that conversation Years ago with Mike Borgonzi When the Chiefs Were still doing their 3-4 and he was talking about trying to find those outside linebackers, those three, four edge yeah. rushers and Bob Sutton's defense. Like, well, you need a guy who can cover, you guys can hold the edge, speed, power, all of that stuff. And he's like, You're looking for a unicorn and you're looking at a top 10 pick. And <laughs> right, we're like, right. well, We're not picking the top 10. How do we find the traits to to execute some of those things similar to what you were saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always think it's interesting because you read some of the draft coverage and you guys you do a great job. And there's a lot of people who do a phenomenal job. But it's interesting talking with draft people. They spend a lot of time uh a number of them talking about what guys can't do. And when you talk to the coaches, they just look at what a player can do and then oh, yeah. figure out a way to fit that within the system. So players a little bit lighter of an edge rusher, but he's got a great speed rush draft. him like, well, he's not going to play. He can't defend the run. Like he's too light. He's got sand in the pants, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. you can't do that. It's was like, Defensive coordinator would be like, yeah, but I could bring him in on third down. I can do this with him. I can do that 100%. with him. And they're not going to put him in a position to not be successful if they can't find the the guys who can do everything. All right. You mentioned one edge rusher. Give me a second edge rusher, day two-ish, that uh, that intrigues you that you go pound the table for.
2: I'll go Derek Hall from Auburn. I think that Derek Hall is, again, underrated in this class, man. I feel like he was a productive player at Auburn. I think that he brings a really good combination of size, speed, uh, strength to to his game. You know, I just think that he's kind of figuring out exactly how to hone in on his athletic ability. And we saw him test really well here in Indianapolis and that he measured in really well. It um, feels like a, he's got like a dense body type that he's, that he's hard to move off the line of scrimmage when he's really able he to He looks anchor. like a grown
1: man running. I watched his 40 yesterday. He's one of the guys that was like, wow, that, right. that's a dude.
2: And it was damn fast too. So yeah. he's got he's got the weight, he's got the size and he's got the speed and explosiveness to him. But he's, not, he, he's still figuring it out, which is not a problem, right? I want to make sure that other people... That people out there know this as well when you point to production in college yes it's great to see these guys succeeding getting into the backfield racking up stats at a younger age and you should note that yeah but what you are picking on draft night is not the finished product with these guys it's not, often you hope it's not even close right. so you instead look at the mold of what they can be the things that they are doing well the flashes what you can build off of and Derek Hall feels like somebody who again Feels like a day two, early day two kind of a guy. Might even slip to day three. I can't imagine he's going to slip to round three after what we saw uh, in Indianapolis. But he is somebody who I would definitely uh, have on my radar for sure.
1: That's what one of my favorite questions I used to ask uh, the GM was John Dorsey and then Brett Veach was how do you figure out guys who love the game of football versus how do you or guys who love what football can do for them because they're good at it. Correct. And you get to the draft and this is that time where you start to separate it and the chiefs have been so good. And it's, it's the, Big, you know, equalizer is how do you figure out what makes these guys tick and what they're into and figuring out guys. And that's where your area scouts come in. And I'm sure you talk with those guys and who's going hard on a, you know, an early September practice on a Tuesday, right? who's getting his teammates ready to go or, you know, in November when the team's, you know, under 500, yep. like, is he still going hard at practice? Those are the guys that you want to build around. And they, that tells you more than sometimes what they say at a podium, you know, when the whole world right. is watching. All right, let's move on to the defensive tackle position. Okay. Again, day two pick who are you running up their pound on the table for and i'm going to give you a pass on not bringing up felix uh Andy Duque, uzama because i our tables are next to each other and i heard uh-huh. you singing his praises yesterday uh-huh. i'm just assuming that you think he's going to be a day one pick
2: i think he could be a back end of the first round guy he, he is somebody who i've had as a target as a top 50 player potential back end of the first round guy and um you know you, you'd go back to his podium session you brought up podiums i mean i was so impressed with him mm. they they were asking him all sorts of questions about Uh, you know, like what kind of pass rush moves are you bringing to the NFL? And, you know, what are some of your favorite moves? What do you like to do? And he was so detailed in how he answered those questions. And it wasn't just the what, right? He wasn't saying, oh, I like to use a cross shop. I like to use a ghost move. I like to have a different rip or whatever. He wasn't just saying the words of the moves. He would say the moves, but then explain how he did them and why he Mm -hmm. did them. That's a major difference. And so I'm like, this dude Gets it. He's got the body type. He's a bigger, more traditional 4 3 defensive end, but he can play a little stand up too. So I like Felix Anadike, it was Uzoma a lot, and I think that he could definitely uh, be a back end of the first round guy. But uh, moving on to interior defensive tackles, Keanu Benton has to be the highlight from Wisconsin. This dude has made a ton of money throughout, I'll say, this past season and into the draft process, including what we saw at the Senior Bowl. He came into Wisconsin and got his starting spot based on being a nose tackle type a zero a one technique guy who was just going to plug things up in the middle had a ton of strength a lot of size and over this past year has really worked on his pass rushing I I remember going back and watching an interview of him last summer local media was asking him hey what are some goals what do you want to work on he's like I want to be a better pass rusher straight up and I've tried to work on it this summer and I'm gonna try to work on it this season and throughout the season as he continued to get opportunities to play on third down he was able to showcase that. And then we see at the senior bowl, he's got incredibly fast hands, very strong player. And then at the combine, testing very well athletics. So now you go, okay, well now he has an athletic ceiling that we have faith in for him to continue to be a better pass rusher. So doesn't feel like he's going to be around one guy always kind of felt like a a day two player, but man, I would have told you, Shoot, I know some people have been running mock drafts, and I've seen him round three, Keanu Benton, Keanu Benton, because he seems like a fan favorite all around. I don't know if you're going to get him in the third round, but there is a chance that I think the Chiefs could probably get him in the second.
1: All right, let's move on, because you can't never have enough solid defensive tackles. It's like wide receiver. You take one every year. Uh, Who's another one of those guys on day two that you'd pound the table for?
2: I'm very intrigued. I don't know if I'd pound the table for him, but I'm very intrigued by Mazzie Smith from... Michigan incredible athlete was number one on Bruce Feldman's freak list going into the season for just how athletic this guy is and it's a crazy athletic pipeline that we've seen over the last couple of years with these Michigan defensive linemen and he feels like the next to the bunch now he's got a little bit of hot and cold tape and I I, I would love to know why that was the case because you go watch the Ohio State game you go. Okay, this kid might be a first round pick. Like he's he's obviously trying very, very hard in a rivalry game. I think Michigan State was the same way. But you watched a couple of the lesser opponents, I think Indiana was one of them. And um I ended up watching four or five games of him because I was seeing kind of like a hot and cold streak to him, and it's just not that quite dominant player. It's like, all right, why? you know getting to the bottom of why was this tape so dominant why was this tape a little bit more um maybe letting your foot off the gas is that something that's going to be the same with him but i think because there was not that consistent production again he's going to be somewhere in day 2 but that athletic potential you got to figure out what makes him tick is he somebody who loves football a lot and if yeah. he is that's somebody that i think you take a chance on
1: all right let's move to the third and final position talking safeties uh chiefs we'll see what happens with free agency with Juan Thornhill uh we saw the chiefs a lot of defensive backs uh, last year has stepped up. We've seen rookies step in and it's interesting talking about Steve Spagnuolo. I'll always go back to the comment that he made last summer at training camp. Uh, I think the question was from Sam McDowell, uh, the Kansas City star, asking about, you know, veteran. He prefers veteran defensive backs. He doesn't mm-hmm. like playing rookies. And then he goes out there and has four rookies uh, on the field during the Super Bowl on defense. Um, so safety would be a position. You could see the Chiefs attacking at some point in this draft again day two top hundred pick who do you really like that could be available
2: i got two that i like and this safety class is very interesting because it's a lot of safeties by label who are actually slot defenders and so there's not as many like traditional safety players as i feel like there normally has been in draft class of the past like for example brian branch antonio johnson they're probably everybody's one two is safeties in this class both of them are more slot defenders. They're more nickel defenders than they really are safeties. And so I won't say those guys, I think they might be first round picks anyways. I certainly think that of Brian branch, but two safeties who I really like, who I think are going to be available on day two. First one, Sidney Brown from Illinois, as long as this guy is healthy. I mean, he's a monster. He is somebody who loves to be the communicator in the defense, loves to be that centerpiece of the defense. They give him the freedom to roam from that strong safety spot, kind of be closer to the linebacker level. So he can communicate with the front, communicate with the, the corners, the linebackers, everything. And they also let him play, very free because he's got great instincts for where the ball is going you could tell he put so much work into watching film diagnosing the offenses seeing their tendencies seeing where the ball might go how to read the quarterback he's got the ball production he's a good hitter he's athletic I mean Sidney Brown is just absolutely fantastic he put he put that on in a senior bowl as well and then the second guy another senior bowl guy is Jamie Robinson from Florida State another player who I was very impressed with with his podium session because we all love to use the buzzword of versatility right and it can mean so many different things we're seeing so many different hybrid players in today's football whether it's these tight end wide receivers these um corner safeties these safety linebackers these these linebacker d lines whatever we're just seeing so many different hybrid tweener kinds of players that everybody loves to talk about versatility jamie robinson when he was asked about this because he played a lot of different spots on florida state's defense he broke down exactly what went into him becoming so versatile. And he's like, beginning of the week, I'm, uh, I'm in the safety room. I'm making sure that I'm on my P's and Q's about exactly what we're looking for from our safeties against the mm-hmm. offense that we're running. He's like, then the next day I'm going in the linebacker room and I'm learning from the linebackers to make sure if I'm at the linebacker level, these are the things we want our linebackers to do. Then he mm-hmm. said the next day, he's like, I'm in the third down room. I'm making sure that I'm like on third down, this is what I could do. If they have me at safety, this is what I want to do. And so, he went through his entire week and it was almost a different room in the defense every day to show up on Saturday and be able to play a lot of those different positions. And so he is somebody who just understands the work and the IQ of, of of having that versatile label. And so a lot of guys just think it's athleticism or size. He gets it. It's up here too. It's between the years. You got to be trusted to play in a lot of different spots. And so those two dudes, I I love their podium sessions, love their tape. I think they'd be fantastic safeties for any team.
1: Man, that is great stuff. Again, Trevor Sycamore from Pro Football Focus. Appreciate you for stopping by and and giving us some knowledge, some more players to keep an eye on as we go through this draft process. Appreciate everybody hanging out. We'll have another special guest talk on the offensive side of the ball right after this.
0: You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.
1: Welcome back to the KCSN Draft Show. I'm BJ Kissel. We're hanging out on Radio Row. Good stuff there from Trevor Sykema, talking about some defensive players he would pound the table for. And now we bring on another special guest in Dane Brugler from The Athletic, also uh, the creator of The Beast, uh, the original OG draft Mm -hmm. guide. I spent years and still do. When I was doing more content during the draft and on camera, Dane, I always printed off your guide and always had it with me. He was always promoting it. It's phenomenal work uh and so congratulations i know you put so much time and effort into that thing Uh, besides kcsn draft guide which we will promote as well uh, i'd also invite people to get your stuff because it's more than just your opinion you're getting into the background you really do a phenomenal job giving a full picture of who these players are on the field and a little bit off the field as well
3: that's the goal right you want to paint the picture you want there's so many puzzle pieces out there you know it's just all about collecting those puzzle pieces and and putting together the picture so you have the best idea Of of who these players are because the journey it matters so much you know understanding where a guy is coming from helps you understand where he's headed and so how many sports did he play in high school uh you know family connections um you know when did he start playing football all these things you know it's just they're not just fun little sound bites they're the things that are really relevant as you put together the whole package of who this player is
1: yeah like i said it's an amazing read and shout out to anybody that uh that hasn't seen it go check that out you will enjoy it but dane as we was explaining before we got started what we did with trevor it's gonna be players projected in your opinion i was subjective between picks 50 and 100 so day two picks basically um some guys that you would pound the table for, and we're going to be on the offensive side of the ball. I want to start at the tight end position. Mm -hmm. I personally have been saying for about three years, I figured they not necessarily Travis Kelsey's replacement, right? Because the chiefs like to do so much in 12 and 13 personnel, but uh, another talented athletic player that uh, eventually might take over for Travis Kelsey. If uh, Saturday night live goes well this week and he becomes an act, he's, he's going to be good at whatever he decides uh, to no, do. So no I hope question. he keeps playing football forever, but um, talks through, through some tight ends because people that we've talked to so far this week said it's a really in, intriguing tight end class. It's deep. Yeah. So guys picks 50 to hundred. Who's a couple that uh, you would pound the table for.
3: Yeah. And it's going to start in the first round with those guys. We'll see how many actually go in the first round. But, yeah, if we're talking mid to late second round, one of my favorite players uh, is Tucker Kraft, South Dakota State. Um, this is a guy growing up in South Dakota who, uh, you know, just wasn't on the big-time recruiting radar, goes to South Dakota State, and he's really grew into a big part of what they do in offense. And if he didn't get hurt in that season opener against Iowa, they beat the Hawkeyes. I uh, put a lot of money on that. Um, he is hes a difference maker, and he moves really well for his size. Um, he, he had an ankle injury most of this year. But he he's just a really talented player, blocking, receiving. Uh, after last year, you know, college football is so different now. You have NIL, you've got mm-hmm. transfer portal stuff. After last year, he had six-figure offers to go, and we're talking Alabama, we're talking oh, big wow. schools that wanted this guy. Um, and at the end of the day, he decided to stay put and, mm-hmm. and be with his uh, guys that he you know came up with and his coaches, and you know they won a national title this year at the FCS level. So mm-hmm. uh, Tucker Craft definitely a name to uh, keep on the radar.
1: That's good stuff. Um, who's another one?
3: Uh, Luke Schoonmaker, uh, Michigan, uh, who is is—he's uh, he, a former quarterback. He, him and Will Levis were actually teammates back in the day, uh, coming from uh, the Connecticut area. Um, former quarterback, moves to tight end, big athlete, but he can block too. So you're looking for the guy that maybe isn't elite in any one area, but he can block, he can catch, he can do all those things that you want, um, you know, a, a more traditional tight end to do as an inline guy. He can do that, but he also has the athleticism where you want to play him the slot. He can do that too. So the combo, uh, the, the combo tight end that it can be a little elusive finding that guy, Luke Schoonmaker. Uh, and I, I put a third round grade on him. I, I think he'll end up going somewhere in the third round, but uh, you know, he, he's a, he's a really good player, him. And then I mentioned Sam Laporta too. I know that keep okay. it in the big 10. Um, you, you know, he's not the athlete that Noah Fant was or TJ Hawkinson but he's got the grit and competitiveness of like George Kittle, you know, sticking Mm. with that, those Iowa tight ends. Um, You know, he's good size. He's their number one receiver, number one pass catcher. Um, You know, he's uh, he's just another, another solid tight end that's going to be in that third round mix.
1: How, I don't know if I've asked you this before, and we've been doing interviews like this. It seems like since I started coming to these things, Mm. the tight end position in general, it's changed so much in the, at the NFL level. We've seen it with Travis Kelsey, that Andy Reid's ability to maneuver the offense and, and kind of tailor it to Kelsey's strengths is why he's going to be considered one of the greatest tight ends that's ever played the game. The way that that you go through your process and you study not just the player individually, but you're studying schemes and just you get to get a global view of the tight end position. Mm-hmm. Have you seen... At the college level, the games start to change in ways that on a macro level we see at the NFL. Do you see that with your scouting about ways that college offenses are utilizing tight ends over the time since you started doing this? Oh, no doubt. There are a lot of tight ends that don't line up in line. You know, they don't put their hand in the ground. Um, You
3: know, they're more the F tight end as opposed to the Y tight end. Um, And so playing more of that joker, that hybrid version, they're going out running routes. They're out being a pass catcher. And that's great. You know, you want that from your tight ends. But it's important to understand that he wasn't asked to block much and so you know and that's the think about the schools i brought up michigan iowa uh guy you know offenses that run more of a pro style scheme so you do get a chance to see these guys with their hand on the ground playing more of an inline uh use all over the formation wing backfield um detach them so you know i think it's maybe the biggest i mean he's not a day two guy but darnell washington at georgia Mm -hmm. you know he has a chance to go in the first round because he's basically a six offensive lineman and then he gives you some upside um in the passing game so more so than ever we're seeing more diverse tight ends and what they offer what they can do for you and i think it matches up well with a
1: a lot of teams and what they're looking for all right let's move on to uh the wide receiver position talking about blurring (laughs) some of those lines with uh the way these tight ends are used um (laughs) Who are some of the wide receivers that stand out? And this, this is an area that Chiefs fans are probably more familiar than probably tied in just because uh, you look at the Chiefs roster, there's only three guys, I believe. Tucker, you tell me if I'm wrong, but only three guys under contract after this year. It's Marquez Valdez, Gantling, Sky Moore, and Kadarius Toney. Cause as of the time that we're recording this before we get to free agency, Justin Watson scheduled to be a free agent, McCole Hardman and Juju smith Schuster. Mm-hmm. So just from a pure number standpoint, they've got it. They did sign John Ross to a futures deal. They said sign Justin Ross last year. I know Chiefs fans are going to let us know that. <laughs> um, but wide receiver is definitely one that you probably draft one every year anyway. Sure. But just based on the way that we're sitting here today, they got to add some guys to this mix. So who are some of those guys again, picks 50 to hundred mid to late second round picks, uh, that you think, uh, that You would pound the table for you think might be a good fit with Kansas City.
3: No, oh, right. forget pounding the table. I'm going to stand up on the table. I'm going to just shout until you know they call security, get me out of the building. Tyler Scott from Cincinnati, okay. one of my favorite players in this draft. Um, I, I really see a guy that could be a, a Tyler Lockett uh, with with his ability. He's a three level threat, big time speed guy. Um, he was a really a high school running back and an option offense, and then goes to Cincinnati, moves a receiver. And he just got better and better and better each year. Um, he, he had 14 career touchdowns. His average yards per touchdown is like 45 yards. Like, this is a big playthrough. Um, speed, and he's we're gonna show it here at the combine that, all that speed that he has. Maybe not the biggest guy you sacrifice, uh, uh, size a little bit, but he will go up and he'll climb the ladder, he'll go catch the football. Um, and but he can create his own space. Like, it's, it's not just a track athlete out there, it, it's a guy that knows how to throttle his speeds. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a dance between him and the corner and he gets better and better at understanding that. So Tyler Scott in the second round, that would be the guy that I'm standing up for and saying, let's, figure out a way to get him on our roster. All
1: right, before we get into the second player, one of the the phrases we've heard about the wide receiver classes here from a few people is be- beauty is going to be in the eye of the beholder mm-hmm. and that there's a lot of different kinds of skills. See so you guys like Quentin Johnson, See so you guys like Zay flowers, completely different skill sets. Um, just g- stepping back. What do you think overall about the wide receiver class?
3: Yeah, we, we have the same, all the same guys in the same bucket, you know, they're receivers. Uh, meanwhile, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Quentin Johnson play two different positions. Yeah. You know, they're two very different skill sets, roles, what they're going to be asked to do. So, um, you know, it's, we, it's important to – and it's kind of like the tight ends, you know, when you have your Y and your F. and you, it's, We have to be – we're broad with the way we group them, but it's also important to be specific about what they do and what, they, what they're going to be at the next level. Um, with this year's receiver class, it, it's a good group. We've just been spoiled the last few years, right? You know, two years ago with Jamar Chase and uh, Jalen Waddle and those guys. And then last year, we had six in the top 25. This year, I don't know that we're going to have a receiver. uh, There's not one receiver that would point to and say, oh, yeah, he's a lock for the top 20. Uh, Now, there might be one that ends up going top 20, but no locks. Um, And so it'll be interesting how many end up going first round and then who's left uh, for the second round. I think a lot of teams will look at and say, yeah, we don't we like some of these guys, but we'll wait to the second round because we feel like there's good depth and we don't feel like we have to use a first-round resource. But at the same time, teams are looking to get more explosive, looking for playmakers. So I, have to say, I, I say that, but I'm not going to be surprised at all when five end up going in the final 10
1: picks in the first. I'm going to give a little shout-out to Tucker here because I know Tucker is all over the Zay Flowers plus 550. What was it? To be the first wide receiver taken, Wow, okay. is that a bet that you would take? Um Do you think there's a chance that Zay Flowers, a that chance? a team could yeah. love him? More than any other team loves any other wide receiver in the first. round.
3: Sure. There's a chance. I mean, because I think he's one of those guys that is, he's smaller, obviously, but I don't think he's strictly a slot only, you know, like you feel like, okay, maybe he can move around for us. Maybe he can be uh, someone that helps us. That's one thing he showed this year that we didn't see in past years was being a true deep threat. Uh, for BC. And so another guy, he had offers, uh, to go elsewhere and he, he decided to stay put and, you know, be loyal to BC. And so, uh, it, you know, NFL scouts, if you're good, they'll find you, you know, you don't have to go to necessarily a, a big school. Zay yeah. flower is a good example of that.
1: All right. Who's second wide receiver. He pound the table for, um,
3: you know what, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say his name, but after he runs, I don't know if he's still going to be in that 50 to <laughs> Jeff, right. uh, Cedric Tillman from Tennessee, six three two fifteen. 215 Um, I won't be surprised if he goes out and runs a sub 4.4.3. I mean, big time speed, 41 inch in the vertical, probably, at least over 40, I think. Um, he's got so much ability. This year, banged up with an ankle. I think you have to go back to 2021 tape to really get a great feel for what he offers. A little linear with what he offers, but man, he can win downfield and he could be a ball winner because with that size and that speed, he'll go up and get it. So the physicality, the play strength, Cedric Tillman, I think, is going to open up some eyes here. And um, right now, he's I think he's in that late second conversation,
1: but by the time it's all said and done, that might not be the case in a week. All right. And speaking of might not be the case, we're going to have the conversation about offensive tackle. Now save the the exciting one uh, for the last one here, but uh, free agency and what they do. Orlando Brown, Jr. Andrew Wiley. It's going to be huge and obviously determining uh, what their draft strategy is at the tackle position. But they taken Lucas Niang yeah. a couple of years ago, got banged up opted out of the first year with COVID don't know what you have there. Uh, Darian Kennard, another player that could play right tackle might slide in and be a guard at the level. So they have some young guys in the mix would not be a surprise at all at any, they're going to take a tackle at some point in this draft question is where who are, who's the first offensive tackle available in that window that you would run to the table for Um, should free agency play out. You know, right. makes sense.
3: And the tackles are kind of tough to talk about because I, we think, you know, Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, those guys will be first rounders, Yeah, but everyone needs tackles. Right. Yeah. So the, I think these guys are gonna get pushed up and up. And so like, I got like DeWan Jones from Ohio state, big right tackle, who I think in most years, or, you know, you give him a second round grade, he's a guy we talk about, but in a draft like this, he might get pushed up, up, up more and more. So I don't know that he really qualifies for that range. Um, Anton Harrison from Oklahoma, pretty good player. Underclassman, He just turned 21 years old. He's going to be 21 years old his entire rookie year. You see the youth uh, with some of the, some of the mistakes that he makes, but it's all fixable. It's all correctable. Mm. Really good athlete, foot athlete, the way he can move, he's got length to him. So Anton Harrison, if he's still available there in that that mid second, late second round, I I think he'd be tremendous value at that point as a guy that you think can start right
1: away, Mm -hmm. uh, at least challenge for a job, but you're drafting him for what he's going to give you down the road. I don't know, again, questions. I don't know if I can articulate this the right way. And I know it's kind of, it's in beauty in the eye of the beholder, but for, for you, say you're in Brett Veach's shoes and you get to second, third, we can say day three tackles are available. Would you lean towards, I don't say the project, but the athlete Mm -hmm. that's raw versus the experienced, starter at a big school that's played in big games? Like, which side would you lean on if you're looking at day three and you know he's not going to be a guy that can start right away? Would you just lean towards the project you know is going to take some effort that the high upside or a guy that you think could be plug-and-play sooner rather than later but maybe a lower ceiling?
3: Yeah, and I I really think it just – you have to look at your roster and say, okay, are are we set right now where if we had to play a game tomorrow, we feel good about the tackles we're going to put out there? Uh, Or do we need a guy like um, Tyler Steen from Alabama who – might not have that high ceiling but we feel pretty good about putting him out there and he's not going to kill us he's not gonna uh you know step on his own toes um you know he reminds me a lot of like a like a bobby hart you know like a guy who maybe is not the best lineman on the team or one of the top four on the team but you know what? he's played in the nfl for 10 years because uh you know he can play tackle can play guard he can fill in at different spots and um you know, you get him, and, and that's the type of player Andrew Wiley. Yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. He's a great example yeah. of. I mean, Andrew Wiley couldn't play for a winless team in Cleveland, but you know what? He guys get better. Guys, uh, you know, you, you get different coaching, and uh, you know, you you learn different techniques. And so, uh, no, it's uh, Andrew Wiley's a good example of a guy that, that fits that mold.
1: All right. Before we let you go, we've talked tight end. We've talked wide receiver, offensive tackle. And your thoughts in looking at the Chiefs roster and the players in this draft, is there anybody on the offensive side of the ball that you think would, above any position anywhere on offense, that you think would just be the perfect fit you would want to see with Andy Reid? Jalen
3: Hyatt. Mm -hmm. I mean, I want to see bring that speed aspect to to, uh, what that offense does, that over the top. I mean, just with him out there, you have to respect speed. That, That changes the way defenses play you. And so that threat, um, I mean, in a lot of ways, you're getting a probably a younger, more explosive Valdez uh, Scantling, you know, yeah. like that type of player. So I would love to see that matchup. I mean, sometimes, you know, you, you could kind of force it in a mock draft just because you want to see it. I, also, like a Jackson Smith, a jig would be fun. Who's yeah. not that type, but he's going to get open. And the, the repertoire between him and Mahomes would be a lot of fun to watch.
1: I put out a couple of tweets on Jalen Hyler. Hyatt earlier and I'm adding this clarifier for Chiefs fans doesn't mean I like Jalen I didn't put out any other videos any other guys I just happened to be standing in his press and I was like I'm going to get my phone out and then he was asked specifically about Kansas City and if he had taken a visit or he had met with them and he said yes I sat down with Andy Reid and their offensive staff and we watched film he was smiling the whole time and then he was asked about why do you think you're the best you know who's the best wide receiver in this draft and every wide receiver says I am Uh, but came across a really confident player and then everybody on social was like no not in the first this, and I was like I'm just happy to be standing here yeah. so not trying to to drop any nuggets or any information in that way but uh definitely another one of those players i personally just like zay flowers we had a chance to talk to him with east west Shrine bowl uh watching a little bit of his tape he's a fun player Absolutely. Uh, to watch as well but it's dane brugler from the athletic make sure you're following him and you subscribe to the athletic and make sure you subscribe and make sure you get the beast uh draft guide it is the pr- the perfect best draft guide that is out there. Uh, shout out to Maddie Craig and everybody that's the KCSN draft guide, but uh, they have sung your praises for years, as is everybody in this business day and appreciate your time, man. Anytime. Thank you.
0: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand.